Hey guys, Dane here with the Darkroom Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. In today's episode, we chat with photographer and creator Jeremy Cohen. Jeremy is a Brooklyn-based photographer specializing in portraits and music photography. You may have seen his work on Instagram at Jerm Cohen. Uh, that's J-E-R-M. I almost said G. J-E-R-M-C-O-H-E-N. He also has an Instagram at Today I Photographed which is a project that he's been working on for a long time now where he shoots someone every single day, tells their story, and puts them on his feed. It's on kind of a hiatus because of the situation that we are in now with COVID-19, especially, you know, Jeremy being in New York where it's really, really bad. But he's still finding ways to tell people stories, even if they're on a rooftop far away from him. He's still doing that. So we talk about how the project is kind of evolving now. We talk about his recent print sale with Darkroom where he donated $9,000 to Invisible Hands, him alongside uh, Anders and Theo at Darkroom. So that's super cool and awesome. Thanks again for that, Jeremy, Anders and Theo. Uh, we also get into you know his life as a TikTok viral sensation in this quarantine series where he sees a girl dancing on a rooftop far away from him and he flies a drone with his phone number so he can connect. And now uh, those videos have a whopping like 50 million views on TikTok and he got interviewed for Time Magazine and all these crazy things happen. Uh, so we get into uh, his life as a viral TikTok sensation and how he's using that platform to, you know, give back and to continue to inspire and, you know, to kind of, you know, be the awesome, fun dude that he is. Uh, so yeah, really appreciate you coming on and doing this with me. You can see his work at germcohen.com. Uh, it's really hard to say Germ Cohen fast five times, but I tried to do it before this. I think I can do it three times. But anyways, thanks again, guys. Really appreciate you. Hope you enjoy this one. So without further ado, here is a conversation with Jeremy Cohen. Welcome to the Dark Room Podcast, where you'll get to hear from the best full-time creators on the planet. From starting out to where they are now and everywhere in between. Welcome to the dark room. Jeremy Cohen, thank you so much for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Dan. No, of course, man. I All right. I don't know how tired you are of talking about this, but I have to bring it up first. So <laughs> you're on a roof and you put a phone number on a drone and it's your phone number and you fly it to a girl who's dancing to presumably a, a TikTok video and you give you you give her your number that way. And then things work out and you put on TikTok and you have 32 million views. So what? Okay. First off, first question, is this real? It is real. <laughs> Unreal. Okay. Second question, <laughs> how do you land a drone that far away and then fly it back up? Yeah. So it's actually not that far away at all. Um, just across the street. So maybe, I mean, I'm not really good at measuring, but maybe like 300 feet. So I I went up to my roof to fly it across the street. And yeah. It was a short flight, landed it. I'm looking right out my window right now. I can see right where I landed it on like a very open op open space on her roof. Just landed it. She got my number and then I just flew it right back to myself. That's I mean, the only con the only concern that people ask me is like, "Oh, what if she stole your would steal your drone?" But yeah. I don't know. We already had like just from smiling at each other and waving at each other, I just felt this connection. There's already this like thing there. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're in Brooklyn. So like you are used to being around people on rooftops all the time, which is not that normal. Like I feel like your normal is not that normal. 
Yeah, no, this is what this project made me realize. It's kind of normal for me to just go on my roof all the time and then I see people on their roofs. But also before this whole quarantine and social distancing, people didn't frequent their roofs nearly as often. It's because of this. It's the one place in our neighborhood that a lot of people started going up to their roofs because it's the safe and responsible way to do all your normal activities like playing guitar or going on a jog in a circle or, or, uh, you know, doing yoga, working out. Like, so people are going to their roofs all the time, especially on nicer days. And I noticed it and I thought it was such a spectacle. And, you know, I'm, I'm in a building and it's because something about my building, I think they, there, this is just what I've heard. There's like a, a law that if you're build, you could build higher mm-hmm. if your building is built like at, with not right along the sidewalk. So my building, it's like, it was built probably five years ago or something. And it's built like 20 feet from the sidewalk. So because it's like built in, it could go a little higher. So my building's a little bit higher because uh, from the other buildings around me. And because of this, I have a window and I can see like a lot of roofs from my perspective. So yeah, I'm just shooting this series with a 100 to 400 millimeter lens that I didn't have. But once I had the idea to shoot this series, I, I have, I'm friends with the people at B&H, which is a camera store. In yeah, yeah. And I pitched them this project. I'm like, hey, I think I could make this really cool series. If you guys if you guys lend me this lens, I'll like I'll give you a shout out if I do podcasts with like Darkroom or something. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's oh well, I saw the lens. And like when I see lenses like that, it's so uh it's so just wild because that's not my world as a photographer. Like I've I've looked through those lenses, I've shot with them a little bit, just randomly, like, hey, you want to shoot with this? But those lenses are no joke yeah i i feel the same way i've never i don't think i've ever really shot with this lens maybe like one off here or yeah. there if i borrowed a friend's lens for like a couple photos but my normal kit is just like a, i like to shoot prime lenses 24 35 55 85 and yeah this is my first time shooting with it because i like my photography normally is taking portraits and mm-hmm. connecting with the subjects and talking to them and building that chemistry and then taking a portrait of their most honest selves mm-hmm. and this is kind of I consider this street photography. So for sure, um, yeah. As uh, a as a portrait photographer, you know what 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 kind of ways are you like looking into the future of you know still continuing to get work and work with brands? I know you have the project on the roof, which is great, and that's an idea or an example of like you kind of like you know using what you have in front of you for you. Like, do you have any other ideas or any other things that you're going to try to do for yourself as a photographer in the future because of this? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question because I think, you know, for brand work, for work work, brand work and personal work, they all kind of like intertwine for me. I just I love photography and I love photographing people in general and I just I just shoot personal projects and work on my personal projects and mm-hmm. a lot of times it just like turns out into like a brand or some someone will want to hire me because they see me shooting this personal project and it could somehow relate to something they want to do for their brand. So like, because I'm like staying active, like with my personal work, shooting what I enjoy, yeah. it turns into paid work often. Yeah. So what, like, what's your, what's your story when you first started shooting? Like, when did you pick up a camera? I know you went to school for, um, for visual arts, right? You got a bachelor of, uh, fine arts. So kind of yeah. let me know, like, what, what were you doing in college? Like what, what was that whole Jeremy Cohen experience like? Yeah, so my experience with photography, should I just start from the get-go? Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, so I first picked up a camera because I got jealous of my sister. (laughs) No way. My sister and I are just a year apart in age. Love her to death. Uh, And naturally, because we're so close in age, we're competitive. So we went on a family vacation when I was young to Yellowstone National Park, which was like the best vacation ever, Yellowstone National Park in Wyoming. And 
um, my dad brought a little point and shoot camera that you could take photos on and my sister would borrow it from him and take some photos of we see this wildlife and these glaciers and waterfalls um and i got jealous because i thought those photos looked so cool and i wanted to take better photos than her so I, I started taking photos on it and i was immediately hooked i when i got when we got back to pennsylvania i enrolled for we had a dark we had a class a film photography class at, at my public high school which was awesome oh that's cool um, i don't think it exists anymore unfortunately but uh, we had a dark room and we learned how to we learned how to shoot film and develop it and print it and it was an amazing class and I had an incredible teacher there Mr. King and he helped he encouraged me to pursue photography and when I was applying to colleges I wasn't sure if I wanted to do the art direction because I at the time I had no other friends that were really into art like mm-hmm. let alone would pursue it and call it like all my friends were and I love sports all my friends were into sports and going to state schools and Ivy League schools and then yeah. I just wasn't sure what I want to do and I just like applied to an art school in New York SVA as just to like apply to a couple different schools mm-hmm. and it was the first I got accepted and it was the first school I visited and I just went and I just it just felt right so I it was the only school I visited and I just decided to go there moved to New York when I was 18 and then yeah I at first at school I kind of was nervous and slacking off a little bit just did the college thing mm-hmm. I went to I moved to New York, still having a girlfriend in Pennsylvania. So um, eventually, we we broke up after after a little bit. And then my sophomore year, I got a little bit more serious with photography. I think sophomore year is when I got Instagram. Sorry, I downloaded Instagram one of the first days it came out. No way. Because my roommate was just that dude that like knew all the cool things happening with apps, et cetera. So I downloaded it and then I didn't do anything with it for like a year or two. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until like end of sophomore year, junior year, I started to get more into Instagram and phone photography and posting on Instagram. And then, yeah, while I was doing that, I was working on some personal projects. And then I started, um, I start, I, I, I realized I wanted to be a portrait photographer mm-hmm. and I wanted to be a photographer. What made you realize you wanted to do portraits? I just, I've always been a people person and, you know, I was taking photos of everything at that point and I didn't, nothing was really sticking besides taking photos of people. It was just so much more gratifying to me. Just uh, that whole intimate experience of like taking a photo of a person and like telling their story through, through an image. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I love taking pretty landscape photos and everything and they're, they're great. Um, like I have some right behind me right now of travels, but uh, yeah, just portraits just feel different to me. Um, it just they're more rewarding, I'd say. And yeah, so once I realized that, I I wanted to become a portrait photographer. So I reached out to like a hundred portrait photographers in New York, asking if hey, like I'm a student at SVA. Um, I do portrait photography. I have knowledge with this lighting and this, and I love your work. And if you ever need an assistant. This is me. Nice, man. From reaching out to all these photographers, I ended up working with about three of them and who all had different styles. And I learned so much from being under their wing um, and seeing how each each of the different photographers, their different strengths and weaknesses, like mm-hmm. every photographer shot a little bit different. And I took a little bit of everything of what I learned. Most importantly, I got confidence from it because I realized, hey, I could do this. Like I I had no idea what like a, a professional photo shoot would be like. It was just daunting. Mm-hmm. And once I saw I, I was part of it, but as an assistant, I saw like, oh, I could do this. And it gave me the confidence to start shooting myself and build up my own portfolio. 
Oh, also while I was in school, another notable thing I did is I actually got an internship at, at SNL as well as a photo assistant. Nice. What was that like? What kind of things were you working on there? Yeah, so I don't know how familiar you are with SNL, but we shot uh, we shot the bump. I didn't shoot it. I assisted it, helped set up the lights and everything mm-hmm. for the bumper images of each uh, guest the, each week. Yeah, dude, those so, images are so rad. They're so yeah. cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So those were fun. And then we also did the weekend update images. So the images that were like, it was all shot against green screen mostly, but it would, it would just go up in the weekend update. Seth Meyers at the time yeah. when he would do the weekend update and the little like television screen in the upper left-hand corner. Dude, uh, that's super cool, man. Yeah, that's so, so that was a cool experience. That's rad that you reached out to that many people because, you know, you hear a lot of people reaching out to like a ton of brands and like trying to get work like that, but like taking it, you know, even a step further when you're starting out or even if you've been shooting for a while, like to reach out to other photographers, like it's just, you know, also goes into like, you know, creating community and now you're on their radar, even if you don't work with them, like they're still, you know, like having a conversation with you and, and you know, you guys can potentially have something going in the future. Absolutely. Community yeah. is everything. And just, yeah, one of the, I, I don't know who taught me this or if I read it somewhere or what, but just like a motto I go by is just work hard and be kind. That's yeah. simple. Yeah. Just work hard, whatever you want to work hard at, whatever your your passion is or whatever your interest is or your, what, what you want to do, uh, work hard at it. And then walk along the way, just be kind to everyone. Because one, it feels good to be kind and it feels good to the other person and it's free. And two, it could open doors in the future. I mean, just you leave all these open doors of possible, of possibilities for yourself. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a people person. I, I just meet people all the time just cause I genuinely love people. And through that, I've just, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm lucky that I, I don't really pitch myself for work too often, mm-hmm. although I do want to in the future. But as, as of now, well, before quarantine, I, I get a lot of work just because I've met a lot of people in the industry and, people i think i i like to think i'm easy to work with and reliable yeah. so yeah that's important I get hired for stuff that's important if, if you work with someone and they don't want to work with you again it's gonna you know it's gonna hurt and it's gonna show and those yeah. are the people that are gonna tell other people like when people reach out to me and ask about freelance work and you know how they can get started i'm just like be nice put out your best work like no matter what just put out your best work be cool and referrals will snowball and snowball and snowball and you got to be patient you can't just like expect in three months to just be absolutely booked 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 like wait a few years but eventually you're going to get to the point where like all the work is going to come to you like it will happen if you stay consistent it's all about the snowball effect and you know what i never thought of this until right now this is so crazy um that my my first ever paid shoot was I did a shoot for Beats by Dre. Yeah, and it was the, it was for the solo selfie campaign. So I I uh, I took a video where I, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the and then I'll tell you I'll tell you something funny after that. Okay, so what's so funny about this is this is totally the snowball effect because my first shoot ever I did this uh, Beats by Dre campaign, and uh-huh. the last shot of my solo selfie was actually a snowman. Oh no way! Snowballs. And that was my first ever photo shoot. So from there, it just snowballed. I just started to get more and more work. Wow. Yeah, Life that's really it. Life does go full circle sometimes. This Life does go full circle. You were interning at SNL shooting. I interned at Interscope Records in LA, and I was shooting with the creative department, and I was an assistant on those shoots. And Beats by Dre is a direct connection to Interscope Records, right? So what they would do is all these shoots with Lady Gaga, with 50 Cent, uh, whoever we shot, they would throw in beats by Dre and they'd be like, hey, put these on. 
And half of the artists actually had a really big problem with it because they weren't getting paid extra for Beats by Dre to do it. They were just throwing the headphones. Like, you kind of got to do it because, you know, Iveen's here. So, yeah. Um, so we're kind of weirdly connected in the fact that I, my first shoot really too, even as an assistant was Beats by Dre in a way. That's funny. Yeah, super funny. That, and that brand blew up. Oh, blew, they're huge. And there's, I saw a, um, a uh, what's her name, Billie Eilish. I saw her on a giant billboard with Beats by Dre. And without even, real, without even knowing who she was signed by, I was like, oh, she's Interscope. I had no idea. So they're still doing it. They're still absolutely doing that. Wow. Um, it's kind of, kind of sketchy, but also smart. I know. It, it is. Yeah, for sure. They're good headphones, though. Um, so... I come from that big shoot world too in the very early stages of when I was shooting. And weirdly enough, what that did for me is it made the way that I shoot, even with brand work, very small and very intimate. I gravitated towards the smaller size shoots um, when it comes to the amount of people, the amount of production, the amount of gear even. Like, how did you go from shooting, you know, in SNL and shooting with these photographers and big sets. Like, how did you transition that into your own work? Like, what do your photo shoots look like? Yeah, so it's a great question. Um, it just happened so naturally. I, I, I think I transitioned it by seeing all these different ways people were shooting, whether it was the photographers I was assisting or the internship at SNL. I just got to see in first person, like, what was happening, what was going down. And I took a little bit from everything I saw. And then just naturally when I had a shoot, it just, uh, I, I learned how I like to shoot, how I like to interact with the subjects, uh, the whole business background of everything that happens behind the scenes, like uh, just being very reliable and nice in the process and also communicating everything, like whether it's the actual photo shoot, but also afterwards when you're emailing or before back and forth. Um, yeah, a lot of this stuff I didn't know right away. It was kind of, you know, over time you get to learn a little bit more and more. And yeah, I feel, I feel pretty good where I'm at right now, but I'm still also learning every day yeah. and staying open-minded. For sure, man. So when did the when did the big brands start to come to you? Like, how did those relationships start? Because you've worked with, you know, even just right here on your website, Acura, Adobe, American Express, Citibank. Like, you've worked with, you know, massive brands. Like, when did that start to happen for you? Yeah, a lot of it started to happen when... So the first shoot I ever did, really, was uh, the Beats by Dre mm -hmm. campaign. I, I, uh, laun I don't know if you've heard of Laundry Service. No, that could be a band or that could be like an app. <laughs> that could be anything. Or it could be an, or it could be an actual laundry service. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It, it, it's called 24-7 Laundry Service. It's a social media agency that just started at the time. Mm -hmm. And they did the they did this social campaign with Beats by Dre. And they brought on a lot of different photographers, videographers, artists to like make a video for it. And I was mm -hmm. one of them. And they loved my video so much that they – they signed after, I think right after that video or maybe after the next shoot we did together, we signed a deal where they would rep me. So nice. they rep me as a, as a photographer slash social media guy to uh, shoot for different brands for them. And through them, I shot for a lot of awesome clients, built up my portfolio and yeah, built up a lot of amazing relationships. I'm still like friends with so many people that still work there or have moved on to other agencies and I've got work through these other agencies and yeah. That's great, man. So your style is super punchy, um, super colorful in a way, like in more ways than one. Like there's layers of color, right? There's color with emotion and then there's color with the actual color that we're looking at. Like where did this style come from, right? Like where was this inside of you? Like when did it come out? Like when did, when did this all start to, you know, develop for you? 
Yeah, I think I think it's just my personality that shines through these photos. I'm mm-hmm. just an I consider myself an optimist. Yeah, and I'm also you know I wear a lot of different colors. Uh, New York has got me to you know get some grays and blacks and whites, but like yeah. a lot of times I'm wearing like a super funky shirt or colorful. Shirt. I just love colors in yeah. general. You're super and, Brooklyn. You're like the most Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't know. I This is just kind of how I see the world and how I photograph it. Dude, that's so badass, man. I'm like the shot of um, Gambino. Was this a Coachella? That was – I photographed – so I photographed a lot of music festivals. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not sure which image you're looking at, but it's probably at, uh, at uh, Outside Lands. Oh, yeah. I went to Outside Lands in 2013 and 14. That's a fun festival. Dude, that's a really fun festival. One of the festival. best. One of the best. Super your, chill there. Your, uh, your music photography is incredible. So, like, when, when did this start to happen? Was it after Beats by Dre? Like, were you jumping into this on your own before you started getting hired to do it? Like, how, yeah. you know? And also for people trying to shoot music, like, I would actually love to. I don't like staying up that late, and I know I'd have to. Um, but, like, how did you, how did this whole thing come about for you? Totally. All right. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think of how I first started shooting music. Actually, I have a funny story. I, you know what? Here's one of my ways I started shooting music. I actually yeah, have tell a me all these stories. People. Uh, is the video rolling? Like, should I show something or will that, is it just podcast? It, right it's now? just the audio, but for me, okay, well, it, it is well, everyone, for me, so that's good. Yeah, so everyone listening can just, uh, can just pretend they're seeing it. But, okay. Uh, a lot, I, I reached out a lot whenever I saw an opportunity, even though I didn't think it might not be possible, I would still reach out. So what happened is this was in maybe 2013, mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden Lil Dicky popped into the scene. He was posting music videos on YouTube once a week and they were all incredible, but he was just a YouTube rapper. And all of a sudden he announced his first like tour. It was like four shows, like one in Philadelphia, one in New York, one in here and one there. It was like four shows. His, his first ever tour, you know, he's yeah, just yeah. this random, random guy out of nowhere that just posted these YouTube videos and all of a sudden has like this online cult following. Yeah. I saw he was coming to New York in the, and he was playing at Gramercy Theater, which is right next to where I went to school. So I went to his Instagram page and I saw like the only thing in his Instagram page was, uh, and is about me, just said like his manager's email. So I reached out to his manager, emailed him. I'm like, hey, what's up? My name is Jeremy. I'm a photographer at school right next to Gramercy Theater. And um, if you don't, if you need a photographer for your show, I'll shoot it for free. If you just give me access Nice. Man. and he emailed me back right away. He's like, yo, that'd be incredible. And I, I went and I, I, uh, I shot it. He gave me access. You know, I don't, I don't do like, I wouldn't do the shoot for free thing all the time, but like, this was like me building Like I was a kid in college. I didn't have much experience. So yeah. I didn't have much to offer. Besides oh, it's so it. important to do that in the beginning, even after school yeah. too. Yeah. So there's a, there's a time and a place where you should like offer that free stuff. But like, that was an opportunity when I, where I needed to. And I can't remember. If, I think it was his. It was either his first ever or his second ever show. Oh, wow. And I was in the, I was in the green room with him and his manager and Gata, and I photographed him behind the scenes. I have a I have a Polaroid of him on my wall right here from his first ever show. No oh, it says it was way. February. I think it was February twentieth, two thousand fourteen, is what it says. I think. No shit. Um, Crazy. I wrote, I wrote the date. I tried to write the dates on the Polaroids, but yeah. So just from that, I I got all these amazing images of little. And I added them to my portfolio and then through shooting some other like random shows, which I would do stuff like that. I built up a little portfolio and then I don't know how, but my first music festival that I shot was governor's ball here in New York. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it was like through one of my friends who already shoots uh, music festivals, like maybe Jose Silva or 
if it was from I, I or it might have been from either Lara Himes or my friend Maria. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of how exactly it happened, but it's probably through Lara Himes. If I were to guess, I think she brought me on, and she like runs shit at like GovBall and the Meadows and these music festivals. And from there, I built up a portfolio from sh- having all the access to shoot at this music festival. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it. And then from there, I got hired to shoot other music festivals. So. Dude, it's just that's like, radical. So when yeah. you when you get approved or when you get um what would it be? What's the word like a uh not what when you when you're allowed to go in and get like free reign in these shoots, right? Or in these festivals, are you just going around snapping left and right and you get to go pick where you want to go shoot and you get to shoot this person, that person, or is it super restricted? It's different at every festival, to be honest. Some festivals are a lot more strict than others. It also depends if you're shooting for like if you're shooting for the actual festival or if you're shooting for a brand at the festival, because right. a lot of times brands have like one stage at the, uh, at the festival. So like I was going to shoot like, uh, the Honda stage this year at GovBall, but it's, you know, it's not happening. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it all depends. And even like, even it's cer- it's even stricter with certain artists, like they won't even let you in the pit. So the, the childish Gambino photo, I was actually picked as the only photographer to shoot the first three songs. No from the way. Pit. So, I, I mean, I had to leave after three songs, but even those first three songs, I was the only photographer in that pit. What's your What's your go-to setup for shooting a uh, festival, shooting music? This past year, it's been 85-millimeter lens. Really? I, I love the 85. And then I'll bring – it's pretty much all 85. And then yeah. I'll bring like 24. I, I usually bring 24-millimeter and my 85-millimeter with me. Those are like my two lens, but I shoot mostly 85. And – I don't know. I I don't know if I'd recommend it necessarily. I, I know a lot of my other friends like bring two bodies and they'll do a twenty four to seventy and yeah. seventy two hundred. Right, right, right. Which is like the more standard way. Yeah. And I might switch to that, but that's just been my strategy for the past year. I like having like being as light and portable as possible because like being on your feet with like a backpack with like gear in it and picking up your camera, putting it down, and like mm-hmm. holding it, like holding up a ham- heavy camera for a long time shooting. It hurts. It hurts my back. Like I'll go home and be in pain so yeah oh no for I, sure less is more yeah no exactly but that's that's rad that you use the uh the fixed 24 too man i'd love to get that lens i have the 24 to 70 and like everyone else that shoots that's like my go-to right all day it's um, a solid lens so you shoot a lot of music and you shoot a lot of stuff for brands like what what makes up most of your actual paid work between the two yeah, I'd say, you know, the music photography actually doesn't, like, pay all that well, mm-hmm. but I, I love it so much, and it's it's so much fun, and also such a good experience, and I get to travel for it, so if you're asking how much is how much of my paid work is music, I'd say I, I get paid more for uh, different types of photography. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I want to talk about TikTok a little bit, because yeah. if you're on TikTok, which I am... I remember seeing your video probably right when it came out before I really knew a lot about you as a photographer or creative. Like I saw that video before even this whole podcast thing came together. Right. And I was like, Oh my God, this is the quarantine guy. So like, you're kind of known as a quarantine quarantine guy. guy. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. And like, you're an amazing photographer. And honestly, like I'm so stoked that I saw that video because it led me to this work that you put out, which is Awesome, right? But when it comes to TikTok, walk me through when you're like, huh, what is this app? And you download it and you start looking through it and then you start posting. Like, take me to the beginning of that and like kind of what you thought you wanted to do on this platform. 
Okay, so I can talk about TikTok for a while, even though it's so new in my life. <laughs> but so this is what happened with TikTok. TikTok comes out. I've had over like the last couple since it's come out, I've had over ten different friends tell me, "Dude, you got to get on TikTok. It's like where." and to me i was just like another app like it's like the same thing as instagram Mm -hmm. and also it's like a lot of dancing teenagers right but i even like i have a friend that works at tiktok and when i was in la my my friend sam and i we went and visited her because she she was one of the ogs that i used to work with at laundry service Mm -hmm. um her name's steph and i went to i went to visit her at the tiktok office she gave us a whole tour talked about it for a while told me i needed to get on the app blah 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 and i still didn't get on it and then it wasn't until the new year came around, 2020, you know, I was like, I need to be more open-minded. I should just download it and yeah, see what happens. And downloaded it. I think I posted my first video in February, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it got a decent amount of views. And I was like, whoa, this is kind of cool. And then I started, and you know, it felt good to get some views. Just first video I ever posted. I didn't have like any followers, really. Yeah. And um, I posted another video and it like got more views than my Instagram. And I was like, whoa, this is cool. And then I started looking through the feed of the For You page and there was a lot of inspiring stuff on there. Like whether it was, there was a whole photography community on there telling stories in a whole different way that I didn't see on Instagram or anywhere else. And I was, I was hooked right away. And I saw so much opportunity in this because even as someone with no followers on the app that I just signed up, I was all of a sudden growing on that app so quickly. There's three things that were exciting about TikTok for me. It was that, that I I saw an opportunity to grow on it. Mm -hmm. And I saw an opportunity to grow for me as a creative because I felt I could retell stories that I've already told on Instagram in a whole nother way. So I took like IG stories from the past and and mixed my photo photography in there together. And then I would splice them together and make a video about it and do a voiceover telling the story in a more compelling way. And I had, I've been having so much fun making these videos and then people on this app seem to like it. So I kept posting these videos and I was shooting and telling stories in this new style now. And that's when all of a sudden we got quarantined and, you know, I had this TikTok mindset of like creating stuff via TikTok. And then, and then I saw Tori across the street and then I just like documented a couple things that happened, like me setting up, putting my number on the drone, um, flying it across the street i didn't i wasn't sure if i was going to make a video out of it but then i had i had it happened and she texted me and i had this footage so then i put the video together and i texted it to her and i'm like hey i like documented this going down by the well wait do you mind if i post this on tiktok yeah she's like yeah i love it (laughs) what if she said no can you imagine oh my god (laughs) yeah well i mean i mean if she said no i you know i wouldn't posted it yeah but life would be life would be different right now different i mean dude it's so cool because like yeah tiktok's awesome because you can have fun with it. And I feel like it's really cool because it lets everyone kind of be creative in their own way. And it's all kind of unique to them. You know, like some photographers are putting out these really cool little tutorials. Some photographers are doing the, like, this is a video behind the scenes and then boom, I'm punching into the actual finished product. And and for you, like you're putting together these like, you know, super uh, detailed, but, but also like elaborately edited, like voiceovers, like great transitions, awesome scenes, things like that. So like it, it allows people to like really be creative to their bones of like how else they can show, you know, their stuff to the world. Absolutely. And storytelling is king. That's the king of any of this art stuff is if the story gets across. And something I learned about TikTok is it's okay if it doesn't look pretty. It's okay if it's not shot 4K and super buttery, etc. There could be like ugly text all over the video. Yeah. As long as you get the point across 
and it's compelling, that's what matters. And I learned to kind of like dumb down my, you know, cause I, I'm a photographer. I like shooting on nice lenses and stuff, yeah. but a lot of these videos I'll just shoot on my phone and like not be afraid to put this like ugly text over it. If it gets the story across better. And something else I, I really love about TikTok is I feel like it's really inspiring so many other people to get creative that don't even consider themselves creative people. Like some of my best friends from my hometown have gotten on the app and they're making these videos on TikTok that I would have never expected them to have this skill set. Like they're, they're, they don't work in the creative world or anything. And like I, I think everyone has a little bit of a creativity bone in them, but it's like hard to access, you know? And this, this app, I think, helps a lot of people um, unleash their creativity in an easy way and it can do it right from home just with your phone. Yeah. And it's super, it's still like in a super early stage where I feel like it's obviously like in the first year of Instagram, it's kind of in that weird stage where if you jump in now and you, you know, put out some, some, you know, cool creative content, like it can do a lot for your, your brand as a photographer or videographer, you know, like you've had so many hits and people coming back to your, you know, your website and your work and like, that's how you can get jobs and get referrals and like even further your 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 photography brand work and things like that. Absolutely. Put your eggs in as many different baskets as you can. Like I got my Instagram page, I got my TikTok page, I got my Twitter, I got my Facebook. It's like, you know, I yeah, I, I, I believe in that too. Do you still have the giant sombrero? I do. Where do you keep that thing when it's not in a TikTok video? It's in your it's, closet? Uh, it, it's in my closet all the way at the <laughs> top. I kind of have to stuff it in there. Oh, man, dude, that thing's so funny. Uh, so, like, now when it comes to TikTok, did that video kind of do the thing where you're more critical about the videos that you put out beyond this one? Or are you just, like, you know, shooting out all the ideas that you have still? Like, how, how do you approach, you know, creatively posting on TikTok now? So, yeah, it's a little, to be honest, it's a lot of pressure because I keep liking to one-up myself. And I feel like I've done my best to do that in this five-part series, which I never planned it being a five-part series. I just, yeah, it just kept going and going. Yeah. And now, you know, I think I have to be okay with just going on a date and, like, or the part six to just, like, not have to one-up it, but still make something creative and interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh Actually, I was talking about this with my friend yesterday because a lot of people started following me because of this quarantine cutie series, which is great, but also it's not my main thing. Like, I don't normally make videos about flirting with girls across groups. <laughs> so it's like I had to figure out a way. I was hoping, like, I was nervous a lot of people would unfollow me because I wasn't going to be posting that stuff forever. My, my main thing is photography, yeah. just photographing people in general. And that's when. I, I, you know, I started working on my project more photographing people out my window and making video and then I put together a video and when I, I don't know if you've seen the video of my rooftop culture video. So the crazy thing about all of this is I had, it's my second viral thing that happened in such a short amount of time. So this, I went viral for a whole nother reason for this video and it really resonated with a lot of people cause it's a, it's another like positive, feel good, wholesome video story where I just see the best in New Yorkers and every, you know, all these New Yorkers going to their roofs, dancing with each other, playing music, yada, yada. I put an amazing song over it, which is Blue World by Mac Miller, mm -hmm. RIP, one of my biggest inspirations and amazing artists. Uh, and I think together that song with like these, with these clips of these New Yorkers just making the best out of the situation, like, yeah, it just resonated with a lot of people. And then, so I posted that and it, it's, it has a common denominator of also being on a roof. Yeah. So, so because of that, you know, the quarantine cutie rooftop thing 
goes into like my photography series of also being on roofs with other people. So I think like it flows and then, then, yeah, it flows. It's not like, it's not like I'm all of a sudden going back to something totally different that people aren't sure why they started following me. So, yeah. um, And I didn't plan this. This is just what's happening. So it's, yeah, it's nice. That's cool, man. Let's talk about um, the darkroom print sale a little bit. Can you tell me about all that? Absolutely. So, yeah, I had conf- it's it's weird. Okay, for one, it's weird to go viral. It's a it's a very strange. Wait, feeling. Was this your first time that you went viral in a way, or did you have anything go viral before all this? Mm, I've never been viral like this before. I went okay. a little viral last summer, mm-hmm. but I had to delete the video because <laughs> it, it it uh. It uh, it kind of made someone look bad, even though I didn't think it did. It was just yeah. like I, it's pretty much I, I could talk about it if you want. My yeah, video. yeah, I don't know about so this. I shot a video, I shot a video last summer where I just saw this thing happen where all of a sudden uh, a bunch of kids started jumping over the fence at Lollapalooza. Oh wait, was that your video? Yeah, did you see it? <laughs> yeah, of course I saw. So, it. Everyone saw it. it so, went viral. So I posted on Twitter. And after an hour, like it literally, I had a, like a million views after an hour just on Twitter. I never had that type of virality before. So this one kid was just like, now. And then I saw everyone started to run, uh, run up to the fence to jump over it. And I took out my phone and just recorded it. And all these kids jumped over the fence and everyone was getting by. And then all of a sudden the last kid running up was a kid with a, uh, with a what's it a pr- prosthetic leg? Yeah, and he was like limping up. This kid was going to jump over the fence, and then this cop ran up. And the one kid that the cop stopped was this kid with a prosthetic oh, leg. Yeah, so because of that, this video just like went super viral. And um, you know, I was shooting for the festival, so uh-huh. because of that, uh, it made the festival look bad. I don't, I don't think it really did, but yeah, it, it made some people I was working with possibly look bad so they asked me to delete it and mm-hmm. i do because you know i didn't want to make anyone look bad yeah and so wow so w- that was just people trying to like get in right like all right we get a bunch of people here and we can get in they can't stop all of us that's what that was yeah so the thing about that video though is apparently not all those kids no one actually got in because apparently i don't know the actual truth but apparently there's like three fences to jump before you get in so that was just the first one that yeah all the kids- and then they're stuck after that is what <laughs> like, I heard. It's like if you play a video game, you got to get through three levels to get to the boss. You're like, I got to get through these three stages and then I can go see, you know, Mac DeMarco on stage or whatever, whoever's playing. Yeah. So, okay. We were, uh, man, we got sidetracked for a second. Oh yeah. The print, the, the darkroom prints. Tell me about all that. Yeah. So, you know, I went viral, which is a strange feeling mm-hmm. and it's even stranger when I've just been all alone during this whole thing, like in my apartment all alone, not being able to really celebrate in person with anyone. Um, but also the third thing that's just super weird about going viral is going viral during this virus, yeah. during this pandemic where everyone's lives have changed and there's a lot of struggle in the world right now and everyone everyone's lives are affected. And, you know, it felt like I couldn't just like, go viral and just not do any like i wanted to use some of this virality to do some good whatever it was and like yeah i was sharing links of places we could help and like that's helpful to a certain point but i think it's more helpful to actually take an action and inspire others to help as well as as well as like actually help so i thought this would be an effective way to help to like do a print sale because a lot of people were new to my page and like wanted liked my photography not only liked it, I was getting DMs of people wanting to buy prints. And that's when I was like, wait, I could like 
sell prints and like raise money. That's a good way to actually help. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do this, but I didn't have the time or resources. I have a printer in my apartment, but I I couldn't do it. I don't have enough ink or paper or anything. So I reached out to my friend Joe. Well, how did it happen? I think I Googled a little bit, and then I I saw Darkroom, and then I saw like Joe, my friend Joe Greer. Was Joe Greer, Greery. Yeah. Nice. Very. So I, I hit him up. I'm like, yo, tell me about Darkroom. And yeah, he's yeah. like, yo, they're, they're awesome. Just hit them up. They're they're nice dudes. And so I hit them up and I told pitched them the idea like, hey, do you guys want to – I really want to do this print sale, but I don't have the – I can't print. Do you guys want to print it for me? I'm, I want to donate everything to this nonprofit, Invisible Hands. And I was asking if, if they wanted to donate themselves too. And they're like, yeah, we're in. Yeah. So we donated 100% of the profit like after – you know, I didn't want them to lose money as a small business, mm-hmm. of course. Like they, but even as a small business that's affected, they they were down to donate everything they made from that. So the only money that wasn't donated was just the money for the materials, like right. the paper and printing process, and then everything else. That was, and I think that was like maybe ten percent of it or something. Everything else went straight to Invisible Hands, which is a group of volunteers that help people uh, dealing with. COVID. So the, the people that are most affected by COVID-19, whether it's bringing groceries or just helping them out. So. Dude, that's yeah, cool, man. It's, that's it's so cool. Local, it's a great local cause here in New York. And I we posted it just for the last weekend. We, we had the print sale just for the weekend to get in donations ASAP. Like if it's a limited run, more people will buy into it. So 189 people bought prints. Dude, that's so cool, and, man. And yeah, we raised $9,000. We raised a little bit lower than $9,000 and then yeah. Anders and Theo are like, oh, we'll just we'll just round it up. We'll round it up to make it even nine k. Dude, that's great, man. That's super cool. Anders and Theo are good dudes. Are you now going to stay on with the prints though? Like, are you going to continue to put out prints as well? Like, did this kind yeah. of open that portal up for you? Yeah. Also, I don't want to say I did. I want to say we did it because it was like a big team effort. It was like me, Darkroom, and also all the people, not only buying the prints, but also sharing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it just like felt like really good to all work together to make this happen. As for the print, yeah, I want to set up a print store again. I think I'm going to relaunch it maybe this week and sell more prints, but I <laughs> I do need to make a little bit of money now because I'm not working. So I think I'm, this time, maybe instead of 100% proceeds, maybe yeah. some proceeds going to be donated maybe to a different uh, nonprofit this time. And then I want I want Darkroom to keep a little bit of money and then I could use a little bit of money right now. So <laughs> I think maybe like, you know, donate a little bit, keep a little bit and do another print sale. Yeah, man. That's awesome. So like, you know, being a photographer that does a lot of projects, right? You have the Today I Photograph project that you were obviously doing before COVID and, you know, before things got really crazy um, where you were just approaching people like on the streets and being like, hey, can I shoot you? Like, I want to I want to stem this into a different conversation, but I also want to talk about this project as well. And I want to talk about like how you approach people on the streets because it's like the number one scary thing to do as a photographer, but so many people want to do it like how did you make it comfortable for you i'll tell you exactly how i did yes dean so this is what happened i loved photographing people but and i noticed that i would have so many missed opportunities because i would give myself excuses i would see someone walk walk by and i'd want to photograph them but i'd be too nervous to ask or i'd see someone here see someone there yeah and i just didn't ask to photograph them and then i'd kick myself for it later because they just seemed like such an interesting person um so what I did was I gave myself an incentive, and that's how I started Today I Photographed. 
So it started out actually where I would take a portrait of one person every single day uh-huh. and tell their story. So for for almost two years, it was for, let's see, it was for 500, six, it was for like 612 days in a row. In a row, every day. Um, every day I photographed one person. So it this gave me the incentive to like, make sure it was a point in my day there I would go up to someone and ask to take their portrait and tell a little story about them. Yeah. So because I had this project on my back, I wouldn't let myself down because I was my biggest critic. I needed to get my portrait every day. And because of this, I built up the courage and it became really easy for me to approach strangers and just talk to them and take their portrait. And now, you know, before this project, I was not good at this at all. And now just because doing this project, I grew a lot as an artist. I feel like I'm really good at approaching people, not only in a photography way, but if I want to take their portrait, but now I could approach women a little bit easier too and just approach anyone if I want to talk to them. It's just like, hey, just be yourself, be kind and respectful and yeah. It'll be okay. So show me so show me how Jeremy would approach someone on day one, and then show me how you approach people on day 612. Okay, so on, <laughs> that's a great question. Well, okay, well, on day one, yeah. so also I say everyone's a stranger. Not everyone's a stranger. Sometimes they were like a friend. If I needed to get my portrait that day, I would just take a photo of a friend and tell a story about them. Okay. So my first day I did it, it was actually a friend that I didn't see often. I was back my hometown in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. We're in a bowling alley, and I think I, I think I was talking about it to him, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to start today. Because I, I had the idea for a little bit, and I just didn't start. Like It was daunting to make the first day. For sure. And then we were in a bowling alley, and I didn't even have my like regular camera on me. I had my little point-and-shoot Sony RX100. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to start <laughs> right now. I'm going to start today. I'm going to start right now. And I, I took his portrait, and then I told a little story about him. Yeah. And that was day one. That was in February, beginning of February, 2016, I believe. All right, first stranger. So the first stranger, I think, was the next day. I'd have to look in my feed, but if I can remember properly, I think it was, you know, I was home this weekend or for a couple days in Pennsylvania, and I think it was the guy that was, there was a guy, like, working on our house. He was, like, a, I think he was, like, a plump, I'm trying to remember. It's, if, if you look all the way back down in my feed of today, I photograph, mm-hmm. he might have been a, a plumber redoing the carpets or something. He was a maintenance guy working on uh, my parents' house. And, um, yeah, I just approached him and talked to him and I was like, Hey, can I take your portrait for, for this? Is and that I, the first question you ask somebody or do you lead into it? You so know? what I do, so it's different. Usually my usual thing is someone will catch my eye, whether it's their outfit or their energy or their smile or just like something about someone. I, I just want to talk to them. And then, so I'll go up to someone and I'll either go right into it or I'll say, or no, this is what I do. I say, yeah. Just introduce myself. I'm just saying, hey, my name is Jeremy. I do a photo project where I photograph someone every day. And and then I'll say my thing like, oh, I, I like really liked your jacket. It was really sparkling. You seem like an interesting person. Can I take, tell your story? Yeah. Or can I, can I take your portrait? And then from there, a lot of times they're taken aback. They're like, oh, me? And then we start talking a little bit. I don't take their photo right away often. I We talk a little bit. And then mm-hmm. just from like a little one-minute interaction, I'll get to know them. And I'll like, ooh, I like what you just did. Let me get a photo. And then we'll keep talking. And, uh, yeah, that's usually how it goes down. Oh, and then other times it goes down just because I love meeting people in general. So I'll just yeah. start talking to someone and we'll start chatting. And then all of a sudden, you know, our conversation keeps going. Then I'll be like, Hey, by the way, I do a photo project where I take a portrait of someone every day. And I really liked our conversation. Can I, can I take your photo and tell your story about what we just talked about? And yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of how it happens. I have to, I had to bring my camera with me everywhere. 
And if I didn't, I would shoot portrait mode on iPhone. <laughs> so, I mean, do you get lucky with the light when you approach people? Are you approaching people because the light's already on them so good? And you're like, man, that's already a good frame. Like, <laughs> do you, you know, like I'm, I'm wondering because, you know, all these shots are so good, but people obviously aren't just standing where you approach them. So how do you go from right. being like, hey, can I shoot you to being like, actually, hey, can we go around the corner real quick? You know? Yeah, I do that sometimes too. Sometimes I'll be like, let's walk around and the lighting's a little better over here. Yeah. Um, for me, I always focus on like the person. And then if the lighting comes into play for this series, awesome. But if not, it's not as important for me compared to like other types of photography that I do. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure like lighting's really good. But yeah, as long as their story gets across and if they're comfortable in this position here and this is like where I met them, it makes sense that this is the background where they yeah. are then lighting's not as important but that being said there has been some times where i would like you know in new york i would camp out at a certain corner because the lighting was so good there yeah. and then i'd wait for someone to walk by that was interesting and then i'd ask them yeah so. <laughs> nice man that's so cool are you so is that uh series gonna continue when all of this the situation is over like what's what's going on absolutely with that? Yeah, yeah i can i i plan on it continuing it for a long time i really enjoy it as well as i like to think the people that i photograph get something out of it too because one i really think it makes people feel special because i i ask a lot of people to photograph them when they don't normally get asked that and it could make someone feel really special and then i get like photos of them and i always send it to them for them to use for whatever if they if they want to post it on their socials or even use it as a headshot for their LinkedIn or just show it to their family. Like when they get, you know, it's, it's a story to tell your family when you get home at the dinner table, like, Hey, this guy came yeah. up to me and photographed me and told my story. You know, just like knowing that and like the messages that some of the people I photographed sent me, like just make me want to keep doing it. And I actually, I actually photographed a new one. I posted on today. I photographed today. Nice, man. So I, I became friend. It, Today I photographed Quarantine Edition. Yeah. So I've been doing this series where I've been photographing people on different roofs and I've just been sharing them in my story, mm-hmm. et cetera. So this one guy that I photographed, he found me and he DM'd me. He's like, yo, that's me in the third photo. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, what's up, dude? And we started chatting. I'm like, yo, I'm on my roof right – it was a nice day. I'm like, yo, I'm on my roof right now. He's like, yo, I'm about to go up. And then I'm like, cool. And then I, I and then we were talking and then I was like, yo, do you want to FaceTime? And then we started FaceTiming and having a drink together. No and way. Then I was like, I was like, yo, by the way, like I do a project. <laughs> Here we are back at Today I Photographed. I was like, yo, yeah. yo, I do a project, by the way, where I tell a story of someone and take their portrait. Can I like take another photo of you just like chilling there with my long lens? And then if you could do me a favor, um, after our conversation, can you just like film yourself, uh, just record yourself, your experience through quarantine so far? He's like, yeah, dude, I got you. And I'm like, okay. And then after we hung up, he just filmed himself as if I were to interview him in person. He sent me it because we had each other's numbers at this point. And yeah, I just posted it on my Today I Photographed Today. And like, you're such a reactive creative, if that makes sense. You know, like you, you're dealing with the situation you know, as best you can. And you're, you're finding ways to like still, you know, be creative and still put out work and, and still be like inspiring, which is the hardest thing to do in these moments, you know? Thank you so much. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that. And I agree in certain ways, but also I think this is like an opportunity to actually be super creative because usually we have, we have uh, no blinders on. It's like the whole world is in front of us and yeah. it can be overwhelming to just create when like everything is there. But now that we're confined by the walls of our apartments and these social distancing restrictions, I think it could inspire creativity and we could do some awesome stuff. And that's kind of how I've been looking at it and just making the most of it and finding that silver lining and yeah, taking it day by day, living, living life as much as I can while still being responsible. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, man. What's what is one thing that you wish you knew in the very beginning stages of being a photographer that you know now? Oh, great question. First thing that comes to mind is organization. Yes. So I didn't start getting organized until last week. Yeah, seriously. Now is also a great time while we're in quarantine to organize everything, by the way. Anyone listening. But yeah, I did not get organized until maybe like two years ago. But I was just shooting stuff, putting it in random folders here and there. Mm -hmm. And it's so stressful to like, if you need to go back in your archives and like, fish something out whether you know there's always things i have to go back and get whether it's for what whatever it is for there's Mm -hmm. i often have to go in my hard drives and it's always a schlep and a half and i i hate it but if i was organized it wouldn't be that bad at all and so if you're starting this is what i recommend everything you do um set the tone right at the beginning you know put your hard drive by year by month project nice okay so and through that you know i could access and then also labeling them the project name, the month, the year, the date, it's uh, it's super important and it makes it a lot easier just to find anything at any point, but also just it feels good to be organized physically. Dude, totally. Yeah. yeah. And then too, if you're, if you're organizing it, I do it by, by uh, date first when it comes to year and then the project, like year, month, and then the project or month, day, month, year, project, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and yeah. then in Lightroom, it's going to all go like in order exactly. So it's so much easier to go in through, you know, your one hard drive through Lightroom and be like, all right, right. like everything's right there too. So exactly. super nice. I, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for coming on and, and doing this and telling us your story. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That'll do it, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening to this episode with Jeremy Cohen. You can see his work at germcohen.com. You can see his Instagram at germcohen. You can see his TikTok at Jeremy Cohen as well. If you Google Jeremy Cohen, there's a chance that a jazz uh, trumpet player comes up. So that's not his stuff. He's the photographer. But anyways, thank you guys so much. You can say hey to us at Darkroom. You can say hey to me at Dane Diener. Thank you so much for the support. Let us know what you think about this episode or other episodes on iTunes or on Instagram or just, you know, come say hey. All right, guys, appreciate it and see you next time.